The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we look at the first Division I college football teams ever, the first 20 years of college football. Now, after that, the number of programs that played college football, they swelled. But in the early years, the development of college football was through these teams. Understand that while these teams played other college teams, they also played clubs and athletic clubs and so on. And this is a podcast I really wanted to do for a very long time, to be honest with you. So we'll begin in 1869, and we should make mention of the first game ever, of course. So the first two teams to ever play college football were the Princeton Tigers and the Rutgers Starlet Knights. That was in 1869. It was the birth of college football. It took place on November 6th, and Princeton won 64 in New Brunswick, New Jersey. So before we go on to the next season, we should talk about this game and the follow-up. So how did this game come to be? How did this game of college football come to be is really the question. Well, Princeton and Rutgers were about 20 miles apart. And about three years earlier, Princeton's baseball team had defeated Rutgers 40-2. to So Rutgers student, his name was William J. Leggett, wrote a letter to Princeton. And he issued a challenge for that loss. And Leggett suggested a series of this brand new sport that he called football. So the Princeton student, his name was William S. Gunmar, he accepted. And so they were the captains, William J. Leggett, captain the Rutgers team, and William S. Gunmere, captain Princeton. So at three o'clock in the afternoon on November 6, 1869, in front of about 100 spectators, college football was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. There were 25 players on a team, and they played with a soccer ball. The rules dictated no passing, no running. The players were allowed to kick or hit the ball to get it over the goal line. Well, yardage was earned with these short kicks and the batting of the ball that occurred behind this huge interference of players where chaos reigned. They yelled and they screamed. Each score was awarded as one point, and that occurred when the ball was kicked over the opponent's goal line. And it was said that Rutgers was small, quick, Princeton large, more hostile. So the game itself, Rutgers got the ball first. They scored. Princeton eventually tied the game. Rutgers went up 4-2. to two. Princeton tied it at 4-4. Four to four. Rutgers scored two more goals, and the final score was Rutgers 6, Princeton 4. And by the way, the game lasted five hours. So the Rutgers Scarlet Knights were the first Division 1A team, or nowadays, first FBS team ever. And as for Princeton, well, for a sustained period of time, no other school in the 1800s could match the domination of Princeton. Because over a span of three decades, and those were the three decades in the 1800s, from 1869 to 1899, Princeton went on to claim 20 of the national championships. And by the way, the second game played that season 
Princeton turned around and defeated Rutgers. So both teams ended up one and one. In the second season of college football, which was 1870, a new team joined, and that was the Columbia Lions. So that makes them the third oldest Division I program. And they went on to win, you know, the 1934 Rose Bowl. They defeated Stanford 7 to nothing. But people remember that 44-game losing streak back in the 1980s. And they also remember the Lions had Sid Luckman as quarterback. There was no college football in 1871. So in 1872, the Yale Bulldogs entered the arena. They're now the fourth oldest college football team in Division I behind Rutgers, Princeton, and Columbia. Yale posted 10 teams that were unscored upon in their history. They had 19 national championship teams. Walter Cam coached for five years from 1888 to 1892 with a 68-2 record. He had three of those unscored upon undefeated teams in his five seasons. In fact, in his 70 games, his defenses posted 66 shutouts. In 1874, Harvard Crimson became the fifth Division I college football team. They went on to post a winning record in 42 consecutive seasons from 1881 to 1923. And with the addition of Harvard, one year later in 1875, the game, the rivalry. Now, why did it occur one year after? Well, because in that first year, Harvard was busy playing McGill three of the four games. They played McGill three times, Tufts once. So in 1875, the game was finally initiated. And it marked what? The fourth oldest college football program, Yale, after Rutgers, Princeton, and Columbia, and Harvard, the fifth oldest college football program. But it also marked the oldest college in the country, Yale, and the third oldest college in the country, Harvard. The first edition of the game in 1875, well, Yale defeated Harvard four to nothing. Now, oddly enough, in this series, there have been six scoreless ties. The game itself has posted so many memorable moments. I'll touch upon three or four here. There was the 1892 game where in the second half, fans got to see the inception, the birth of Harvard's flying wedge, where players were fused together to form a human shield as a speedy halfback followed behind. The 1905 had the punch that really formed the NCAA. A Yale player, his name was J.J. Quill, punched a Harvard player, Hooks Burr, with this open-fisted punch, and it was kind of gory. There was blood all over the place. Anyway, as a result, President Theodore Roosevelt, who was a Harvard alum, began a process that led to the formation of the NCAA. The 52 game is remembered as the insult, where Yale's team manager, Charlie Yeager, was inserted into the game to catch a two-point conversion to add an exclamation point to a 41-14 to blowout. And, of course, there was the game... That was the comeback of the ages in 1968 when Harvard scored two touchdowns and two two-point conversions in the final 42 seconds to secure a 29-29 tie. Well, the next two teams to enter Division I college football occurred in 1876, and they were the Penn Quakers and the Northwestern Wildcats. And so Northwestern is the second oldest Division I-A school behind who? Behind Rutgers. Their 1876 season consisted of one game, and they lost it and it was to Chicago Club. As for the Penn Quakers, they saw almost immediate success because about 18 years later, Coach George Woodroff's team went 77-1, and a 34-game winning streak, a 64 loss, and then a 33-game winning streak. A one-two-point loss kept these Quakers from a 78-game winning streak. So now we're up to 1878, and the Brown Bears were the next Division I team to play football. 
They have the distinction of two very unusual seasons. In 1926, the Brown Bears were called the Iron Man, and they ran off nine consecutive wins before tying their last game. What was so unusual about the Iron Men is that 11 players played the entire game for two consecutive games. Then in 1932, after an opening day defeat of Rhode Island, the Brown Bears defeated the next six consecutive teams they faced. What was unusual about this? All six were undefeated at the time when they faced Brown. Well, the next three teams to enter the world of Division I college football were the Michigan Wolverines, Navy Midshipmen, and University of Mass Aggies, now called the Minutemen. This was in 1879. So that made Michigan Navy and UMass the third, fourth, and fifth oldest Division I-A programs after Rutgers and Northwestern. Well, Michigan, as you know, has 11 national championships. And their heyday came in 1901 to 1905, where they won four consecutive national championships, a 56-game winning streak, and fielding Yost did not lose a game until the last game of his fifth season. Navy. Let's see, Navy's first game was a 0-0 scoreless tie with the Baltimore Athletic Club that year. In 1881, that bore two more teams, the Dartmouth Big Green and the Kentucky Wildcats. So that makes Kentucky the sixth oldest Division I-A program. A Dartmouth has the distinction of being the last Ivy League team to rank in the final AP poll. And this occurred in 1970 when they posted a perfect 9-0 record. Finishing number 14 in the final AP poll, they led the nation in total defense. In 1882, Minnesota Golden Gophers became the seventh oldest Division I-A program. They had two tremendous dynasties. From 1900 to 1905, Coach Henry L. Williams Gophers went 65-4-3. They outscored opponents by 2,702 to 121. And, of course, there was Bernie Bierman's Gophers that won five national championships, including a three-peat from 1934, 35, and 36. And Coach Bierman, by the way, served as a Marine in both World War I and World War II. So now we're up to 1883, and the Cal Golden Bears became the eighth oldest Division I-A program. Now, Cal had a dynasty in the early 1920s when Coach Andy Smith's Golden Bears won four consecutive national championships, 1920, 1921, 1922, and 1923, and that included a 50-game unbeaten streak. In 1883, Cincinnati Bearcats also entered Division I, so they were the ninth oldest Division I program. And then came a deluge of teams entering the world of college football from Division I. So now we're up to 1887. The Cornell Big Red, Penn State Nittany Lions, Purdue Boilermakers, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and Indiana Hoosiers all played their first football game ever in 1887. Now in 1888, Five more teams from Division I entered the world of college football, and they were the USC Trojans, Duke Blue Devils, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Virginia Cavaliers, and North Carolina Tar Heels. Which brings us to 1889, when four teams from Division I first played their college football games. That was the Iowa Hawkeyes, Syracuse Orange, Washington Huskies, and Wisconsin Badgers. It also marked the year of the first All-America team. So in 1889, I'm just going to read off the teams that played that year. Princeton went 10-0, USC went 2-0, and then Notre Dame, Yale, Dartmouth, Harvard, Cornell, Navy, 
Minnesota, Northwestern, Virginia, Purdue, Duke, Penn, Wake Forest, Penn State, Brown, North Carolina, Michigan, Columbia, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, Syracuse, and Washington. The first All-American team had Ed Gallon Poe's nephew, who was named Ed Gallon Poe. It also had Roscoe Channing, Milton Ames, Amos Alonzo Stagg, Hector Cohen, and Pudge Heffelfinger, all notable men in the College Football Hall of Fame. So there you have it, the first Division I college football teams to ever play college football when college football was in its infancy from 1869 to 1889. Now, after that, starting in the 1890 season, the number of programs to play college football swelled by year, and the nation grew, and newspapers started following the sport, followed by the radio, and then TV picked up on it, and then the internet, and its bastard child, social media. And now there are so many colleges and universities from Division I that partake, it's just become a wonderful world for us fans. But we owe it all to the original gridiron darlings. These were the schools that were the pioneers, the first Division I schools to play college football. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.